Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. The final from Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City. Boy, the Royals fans are not getting used to this one. It's the Indians 4, the Kansas City Royals 2. We are now 11-1 on the season against the Kansas City Royals. And I am sure that Royals fans are done watching the Indians come to their ballpark and play. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field. The thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And what a crazy night in my house. I don't know how it was in your house, uh, but between watching the Ohio State game, watching the Indians game at the same time, there was a fly in the house that was driving my dog insane. So we spent most of the night hunting the fly. Finally got it. Finally got the fly. So the dog could sleep easy. Um, So yeah, so all that's going on. And I'm trying to keep track of this game. Luckily, The storyline in this game is that you didn't have to pay attention except for like the fifth inning, and you pretty much got the story of the game right there. One swing of the bat is pretty much the story of this game. All right, before we get into it, it's the last day of the contest. If you want to win a free Cleveland Baseball Mornings t-shirt, all you got to do is give it a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, five-star rating review. We've already given away three free t-shirts. I got two left. So if you want to win one of those free t-shirts, leave the five-star review and uh, email it to me at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know you did it. Hit me up on a DM at Davey Barris. Let me know you did it. I'm going to be buying the t-shirts tomorrow. So if you want to sneak one last review in there, go ahead, get it done today. Email it to me. Win a free t-shirt. It's that easy. All right. So the storyline of this game. Yeah. It's Owen Miller. Owen Miller comes up with two runners on. And ends up cranking a home run uh, on a 1-0 pitch. I believe he gets, let's see, was this a slider? It was a slider that was, frankly, according to StatCast, actually off the plate. It actually was inside on Owen Miller. Uh, Starts him off with a knuckle curve away that he lays off for a ball. Then tries to sweep this slider across the zone on him. And Owen Miller gets his hands through, turns on this thing, hits it 104.1 miles per hour, 390 feet into the seats in the left field corner for his fourth home run of the season. And it's a three-run home run because we got Harold Ramirez on base and Yu Chang. And uh, frankly, the Royals did this to themselves. I mean, Harold Ramirez is on via a throwing error. Uh, Throwing error actually allows him to move all the way up to second. Yu Chang with a nice easy single through the right side, 68.8 mile per hour exit velocity on that one, but going opposite field, good approach from Yu Chang, wouldn't be his only time doing that on the night, and that sets up Owen Miller for a huge three-run home run to lead off this fifth inning. So just when Royal starter Miner thought he was cruising, thought he was on his way to his ninth win. Uh, he just runs into a wall here in the fifth inning, and that's it, man. Uh, that would be all she wrote for Minor. He only goes five innings, gives up five hits, three runs, only two earned because Harold Ramirez reaches on that error. No walks for him, decent start there, and four strikeouts. So, man, really one bad pitch really ruined Mike Miner's night. And uh, LaVarnaway would double after that, actually. Uh, he would hit one in the left field corner. Uh, and But then the Indians could not score after that. Ahmed Rosario would reach via a single, but Jose Ramirez would eventually line out to end the threat. So, um, yeah, the fifth inning was the big storyline for the Indians there. And I'd love to tell you that Owen Miller 
you know, has some great lefty-righty split, then maybe maybe it'd be a good platoon situation for him, right? Maybe the right-handed hitting Owen Miller could platoon with Andres Jimenez next season, a lefty and a righty splitting second base. But that's not really how the splits work out for Owen Miller. He's only hitting 175 off of left-handed pitching. Now he's only hitting 188 off of right-handed pitching. So it's actually, it's scary how similar his splits are. So let's, ready for this? 67 plate appearances against lefties, 75 plate appearances against righties. So it's not like we're dealing with a small sample size here. 11 hits off lefties, 13 hits off righties. One double off lefties, two doubles off righties. Two home runs off lefties now, two home runs off righties. Uh, Four walks off lefties, four walks off righties. 20 strikeouts by left-handed pitching, 20 strikeouts by right-handed pitching. So there you go. It is eerily similar. Uh, Yeah, 175 off the lefties, 188 off the righties. His OPS off the lefties, 510. His OPS off the righties, 544. So he's struggling still to hit major league pitching. Um, and it's not like in the minors, it's not like in the minors these splits were any different. Now, there is a stark difference in sample size here. He was hitting against way more right-handed pitching in the minors. 162 plate appearances versus 44 this season off of lefties. But he hit 231 off of left-handed pitching. He was hitting 315 off of righties. Had a 677 OPS off left-handed pitching down in the minors had a 913 OPS against righties. So reverse reverse splits in the minors. So yeah, so uh, I don't know if a platoon situation. Owen Miller is going to have to figure out how to hit. And he's young. He's young. He's 24 years old. He has plenty of time to figure out how to hit major league pitching. But he's going to have to put in the work because it doesn't look like a platoon situation is going to be any way to get him that kind of work. Now, while we're talking about the Indians' offense, they would add an assurance run in the eighth inning. Uh, Jose Ramirez would actually walk to start that inning. Um, uh, Fermil Reyes would strike out behind him, and Fermil Reyes is struggling in Kansas City. He had a terrible, terrible series in Kauffman Stadium. Harold Ramirez would ground out after that, but Jose Ramirez would move up to second. And then Yu Chang would shoot a single through the right side. A little more smoke on this ball, 91.1 miles per hour. All he had to do was just shoot it through the right side. So, uh, I don't know, Yu Chang's turning into Mr. Insurance Run uh, the last two nights. Uh, He got the insurance run in the 11th two nights ago, and then last night he gets this insurance run in the 8th, and it brings in Jose Ramirez to score. So, that would be the Indians' offense. And then the Indians pitching would just go to work. Uh, I'm telling you, Fermil Reyes is really uh, struggling. These three games in Kansas City, he was 0 for 4 in all three games with three strikeouts uh, on Tuesday night, two strikeouts, and a walk on Wednesday night, and then last night, three strikeouts again. So eight strikeouts. 0 for 12 with eight strikeouts in this series. Man, uh, yeah, get this guy out of Kansas City. Definitely not the place for him to be. We'll see if he does better in Boston. He's got the green monster to hit up against. Why not? Why not have some fun and pepper some doubles? Maybe hit some big moonshots over the green monster. Who doesn't want to hit some moonshots over the green monster? That's got to be a highlight for all these guys when they get to go to Boston. Um, So, yeah, so... I mean, for me, Reyes, when you want to talk about splits, uh, get this guy back to Cleveland. 
Um, his split home and away this season. On the away games, he's hit only hitting 205 with a 717 OPS. Still has hit nine doubles and 10 home runs. At home, he's hitting 296 with a 992 OPS. Definitely get this guy back to Cleveland as soon as you can so he can continue to rake. Uh, there is a big difference. There's also a big difference in a strikeout to walk ratio. Uh, on the road, 62 strikeouts, only 16 walks. At home, only 54 strikeouts and 20 walks. So a much better strikeout to walk ratio at home. All right, let's get into the Indians pitching on this one because, yes, the uh, the home run from Owen Miller is a huge moment in this game. But the Indians pitching once again delivered a fantastic game. Tristan McKenzie is in a groove, and even taking a week off to let his arm rest a little bit did not slow him down. I think we all thought there's a chance he comes out here and just can't find the strike zone, maybe a little bit rusty, maybe he gets hit around a little bit. No, he was locked in six innings pitched, only two hits, one earned run, one walk, which would be the run that would come around a score. Of course, walks will make, they'll make you pay. And six strikeouts, no home runs allowed on this one. Only 76 pitches, was only hard hit four times. So really a nice outing by Tristan McKenzie. That walk, he would eventually move up to second. He would balk and move that run over to third. And then a uh, a single from, who got that single? I think Dozier uh, gets that single that drives in the run, uh, Michael Taylor. So yeah. Hunter Dozier would uh, single 102 miles per hour to drive him in. So that would be the only run that he would give up. And frankly, Tristan McKenzie was pretty much locked in all night. Uh, his player breakdown, he was really throwing the four-seam fastball a lot. He had a good life to it. Averaged 93 uh, miles per hour of velocity on that fastball. His max was 95.2, so definitely showing good life on that fastball. I'm fine with a 93, 94 mile per hour fastball from Tristan McKenzie, especially when he's throwing it up in the zone. It's going to be really tough for hitters to hit. Uh, he did get a, a number of called strikes on it, but it really set up the slider and the curve. He threw the slider 16 times, the curve 16 times. Both of them have fantastic CSW numbers. Slider 44% CSW, called strikes plus whiffs. Curveball, 38% CSW. So those are really good. Anything touching 40% is pretty elite stuff on the day. So good stuff from Tristan McKenzie using the fastball, throwing it a lot, and then really being effective when he goes to the breaking stuff. How did he get those strikeouts? Let's go over to the Illustrator page. And he was kind of working uh, 12 to 6 in this game. We've seen from some other starters that they work on more of an angle uh, Sam Henches is the biggest uh, culprit of this, where he really, that big left arm wind-up leaves him almost like uh, working from like 3 o'clock to, to 7 o'clock on the, uh, or 2 to 7 on the hands of a clock. Think of the hands of a clock, right? He's, his ball, his release is up at 2 o'clock on the clock, and most of the things drop down towards 7 o'clock on the clock. Not McKenzie. It's 12 to 6. It is up and down. And he's really using the fastball effectively. Didn't throw one fastball below the knees. <laughs> Everything was in the strike zone or above. And frankly, a lot of them were on the plate. 
Uh, and then the curveball, he was pounding it for strikes and dropping it below the zone when he needed to. And same thing with the slider. Uh, he was throwing it to, as a strike to both sides of the plate and then throwing it down and away and making it a chase pitch when he needed to. And that did get him some strikeouts in this game. So looking at his strikeouts, just working from top to bottom here, um, he got uh, Salvador Perez to swing through a high fastball. That was in the third inning. That was to end the third inning. Uh, he got uh, Emmanuel Rivera frozen on a slider, a called strike slider on an 0-2 count, and he just paints the uh, right edge of the plate with this, and uh, it's up in the zone, and Rivera just is frozen by it on an 0-2 count. Just blows him away there. Benatendi, speaking of blowing him away, uh, gets him frozen with a call strike fastball on a 1-2 count. That was in the fourth inning. That one's pretty much right down the pipe, a little bit low at the thighs, but pretty much right down the pipe. Benatendi would strike out in the first inning on an 0-2 count. He would swing through a slider that was down and away for McKenzie. Um, he would drop a curveball on Hunter Dozier that he would swing through. And then he would really bury one against Nicky Lopez on an 0-2 count in the third inning. So two strikeouts via fastball, two via slider, and two via the curveball. And I'm telling you, McKenzie was just looked confident out there, looked strong, looked aggressive. This guy is really pitching fantastic. I mean, for the entire month of August, he has really been locked in. He did take the loss in his first start against the Blue Jays in August. Uh, that was on August 5th. He did take the loss, but since then, he is 3-0 and in his last four starts. It's all been quality starts since August. It's all been uh, six innings or more, three runs or less. So he went seven innings, gave up three runs to Toronto Blue Jays. He went six innings against Oakland, only gave up two runs. Shut out the Tigers for eight innings. Uh, gave up one run to the Angels. I believe that was the Little League Classic game. And no, Quantrill pitched that one. So this was the day before and uh, took the win in that one. And then goes six innings against the Royals last night and gives up the one run. So, I mean, just absolutely fantastic. For the month of August, he was two and one with a 193 ERA in 28 innings pitched, 28 strikeouts, only two walks given up the entire month of August with a 0.50 whip. I mean, this guy was really good. I mean, with another start there, if he hadn't have taken that week off, he legitimately could have been in contention for pitcher of the month. Like, it was that good of a month for Tristan McKenzie. Uh, really, man, 28 strikeouts to only two walks. Fantastic. And he's keeping it rolling here in September. Uh, you know, six strikeouts, the one walk does prove costly. It turns into that one run, but really does a good job against the Kansas City Royals here. So great job by Tristan McKenzie starting this game. And then the bullpen does their job. Wickren shuts it down. I told you seventh or eighth inning, Wickren splits look really good in those innings. Um, Wickren does a good job in the uh, seventh inning, does give up a hit, but gets a strikeout. Brian Shaw, same thing, gets into some trouble. Shaw actually has to work out of it, gives up a hit and a walk, but is able to get a strikeout to end things. And then uh, Emmanuel Classe comes in. Emmanuel Classe gives up his first run in like 20-some appearances. Emmanuel Classe had not given up a run in a game since July 16th against Oakland. 
That's the series after the All-Star break. He had not given up a run since July 16th in Oakland and had absolutely just been locked in. I mean, for the entire, he won, he wins AL Reliever of the Month for the month of August. He has 13 appearances, no runs for the month of August, zero ERA, and 12.2, a 12 and two-thirds innings pitched in those 13 appearances. Only gives up four hits, one walk, 15 strikeouts to a 0.39 whip for the month of August. That is just incredible. Picks up six saves on the month. So, yeah, uh, I would say he's locked in. And he just kept it rolling uh, into September. So, uh, was dominant two nights ago against Kansas City. Um, doesn't get the save, but takes care of business in that game. And he gets the save in this one. Does give up the, the run. Does give up a double to uh, uh, to old friend Carlos Santana. Actually, I, it's probably not Emmanuel Classe's old friend. I don't know if they really played together. Uh, our old friend, us Indians fans, our old friend Carlos Santana does give up the double to him. Santana would eventually come around to score, but he's able to get out of it. I mean, with a four-run lead, he stays aggressive, and he gets the job done. He actually got hard hit five times in his one inning. In 18 pitches, he got hard hit five times, uh, but he's still able to work his way out of it and get the save. So, a good day pitching for the Cleveland Indians. And heck, it, this was a fun game. This was a fun series. The Indians needed a series like this. They are 11 and 1 against the Royals on the season series, by far dominating them more than anybody else in uh, that they've faced in baseball. I mean, the win percentage against them, the only other team they've dominated really has been the LA Angels, 5 and 1 against the Angels. Uh, let's see, I'm looking at win percentages here. They're 3 and 1 against the Cubs. Five and two against Baltimore. Um, although those two losses to Baltimore, if I remember correctly, were pretty darn ugly. So those are the teams they've really been dominating on the season so far. Uh, do they face Kansas City? Let's see. Do they face Kansas City anymore this season? Because really, I mean, Kansas City has been a gift. Uh, just racking up wins against them. So, uh, boy, the schedule does not want to load. Thanks, Thanks, MLB app. Um, so, yeah, so they are absolutely cruising uh, right now. They're on a four-game winning streak, so that's pretty fun. Uh, yes, they do have one more home series. Oh, they have two more series. They have a home and away series left against Kansas City. So look for them to rack up some wins there. I know they have a doubleheader on September 20th at home. They have a doubleheader mixed into that. So seven more games left against Kansas City. Five more games left against the White Sox. They still got the Yankees. They still got Boston. They still got Milwaukee. They got one more interleague series against Milwaukee that they got to get in there. And they finish against Kansas City and Texas. So, uh, honest to God, Kansas City and Texas, they could finish. It's on the road. So, you know, Fermil Reyes won't be hitting. But they could finish on like a six-game win streak to end this series, uh, end this season. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting coming down the stretch here. Austin Hedges said it the other day. They don't feel like they're out of it yet. And they're seven and a half games back of that second wild card and about to face the team who's holding that second wild card, Boston. So uh, they don't completely control their fate. They don't face Seattle anymore. They don't face Toronto or Oakland, which are the other teams between them and Boston. So probably it's going to be really difficult 
to pass that many teams. They do face Boston one more time, so they can help themselves a little bit in this upcoming series. All right, that is all my thoughts on this one. I mean, there wasn't much to this game. Uh, Mike Miner was cruising until that fifth inning. Uh, Yeah, the Indians did what they needed to do to get this win. Uh, The Ohio State game, frankly, was much more explosive. Some huge plays in that Ohio State football game. So uh, MVP for the day, oof. Ooh, do I go pitching? Do I go the... I got to give it to the three-run home run. Owen Miller. I mean, you hit a big monster shot like that. That basically decides the game right there. Uh, You get MVP for the day. Even though you're struggling at the plate, even though you're hitting 182, it was your only hard hit ball on the day, but it got the job done. So Owen Miller taking home MVP for the day. Not to take anything away from Tristan McKenzie and the fantastic pitching performance. So... That's all my thoughts on this one. We got a series coming up against Boston. It's going to be some matchups and uh, some uh, pitchers we've seen. Quantrill is going against Evaldi tonight. And then we get some afternoon games. We get Eli Morgan against Hauk on uh, Saturday. Remember, Hauk had that no-hitter going against us for a while. And then Sunday, it's going to be Plesak against Pivetta, which I do not believe we saw Pivetta in the last series. So they've got some serious stuff going on in Boston with COVID. They've like eight people on the COVID list right now that are out, including players and coaches. So probably not going to be any handshakes after the game. Probably not going to be, uh, yeah, if I were, uh, if I were the first baseman and I'm holding a Red Sox runner on, I might, I might bring a mask out with me. I'm not going to lie. I don't think anyone on the Indians wants to be picking up COVID from those Boston Red Sox guys. So, uh, yeah, that's what we got. It's always fun watching a game in Fenway, though. It's always fun seeing the Green Monster, seeing, you know, it's just a fun environment for baseball out there. I got to see it when I was younger. When I was in college, I was in Boston, and I left the thing we were doing just to go and sneak away and go and see uh, Fenway and go to a game there because how many chances do you get? Fenway and Wrigley are like those two stadiums that it's like worth it. It's worth it to go out of your way to get into a game there. So, That's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Remember, for show merch, visit clevelandbaseballmornings.myspreadshop.com for premium t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more for men, women, and kids. Show off your pride for Cleveland Baseball and help spread the show's name with some high-quality shirts and gear. The link is in the show notes, and it's my pinned tweet on Twitter at Davey Bear. So whatever app you're in, just scroll up, and you'll find it there in the show notes. Again, the final from Kansas City. It's the Indians 4 sweeping the Royals. Indians 4, Kansas City Royals 2. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.